All right, well, <clears throat> as, we're, as we finish off this series that we've been in uh, called The Beginning and the End, um, I want to end with talking about heaven. And I want to start it off this way, uh, telling tell you about it. I remember back in the summer that my dad died, which was June 2004, um, my mind became occupied with the topic of heaven. Matter of fact, I remember sitting on the front porch of my house and just thinking over and over about heaven. I mean, I had learned about heaven in college, even more so in seminary, but it, was, it became more than just words on a page or you know, words in a book. It, it became very real to me. Even though I have grandparents that are there, my, my dad was there very suddenly. And I was just occupied with, the, with thoughts like, I, I wonder what he's doing right now. I wonder, you know, is he watching me? Is he, is he hanging out with my grandparents? Does he, does he miss us? Does he actually know how sad we are? What does he do all day long? And I think heaven really is a mystery to us, isn't it? I mean, we really, there's so much about it that we, we, we wonder about and we question. And even with all that we know from the Bible, there's still so many unanswered questions. And it's amazing to me, on the other hand, how much we actually really know about a place that we're going to, that many of us are actually going to spend eternity. I mean, can you imagine booking a long-term vacation without having any idea of what your, de- your destination w- was really going to look like once you got there? And so for years, um, I remember, you know, growing up in church and stuff, and I remember sitting in front of, of, of pastors who would, would describe heaven as this never-ending church service. And they would say, like, we're going to be constantly bowing down before the throne of God, and we're going to be singing 24-7, and we'll be wearing robes. And so I just remember sitting there thinking, um, I'm not sure if I can handle that. And these guys would describe this event with such great enthusiasm and such flowery verbiage, and they would say, isn't this going to be great? And people would cheer and clap and be so excited. But in my heart, with much guilt... I would think I must be really unspiritual because I'm not sure I can handle an eternity like the one that that guy just described. And listen, I know I'll have a different frame of mind in heaven and I'll see things from a different perspective and, I'll know, and I will not have ADD in heaven, but the thought of a never-ending church service is more, honestly, than I can handle. And I used to think there's got to be more to this than what this guy just described. But at the same time, I remember thinking, it's certainly better than the alternative. I mean, I would much rather sing for all of eternity than to burn for all of eternity. You know, sing or burn. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? I mean, so, but it's still a lot of church. Have you ever thought that one of the reasons why some people aren't really excited about the idea of heaven is because the picture that's been painted for us really doesn't overwhelm us with excitement? I mean, let's be honest, for even though we sing about a, with great enthusiasm on Sunday uh, about heaven and about God and his grace and his mercy and all of this, I think a, a clear understanding of this topic of heaven causes us not to live our lives with an eternal perspective on a Monday through Saturday. And it just creates a huge dilemma inside of us because, I, as I said a few weeks ago, how we live here on this earth is going to have a huge effect on how we are going to live our lives in eternity. So many of us, we, we spend our time investing so much of our life in this life that we actually forget that this isn't the end. It, it's, it's really just the beginning. The Bible calls us, it tells us that we were created to live for eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 actually says that God has actually put eternity in our hearts. 
So with that said, I just want to, I want to just tell you this. I want to give you a little bit of a warning. Um, I'm probably going to say some things to you this afternoon that um, you've never heard before. I may say some things in the next few moments that you may actually disagree with, but that's okay because my goals here today are, I have three of them. One is, I want to get you to start thinking about heaven from a fresh perspective. I want to challenge you to look at it with with, a whole, with whole new eyes. I want, I, want you to, I want you to talk about it this week in your small groups with enthusiasm, even, even if there's spirited debate. That's okay with me. You know, the Bible actually tells us in 1 first, in first Thessalonians 4.13 that, that God doesn't want us to be ignorant about this topic. He wants us to know what happens to us when we die because he wants us to live this life with hope that there's a promise of heaven for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The second thing that that I hope to accomplish is I, I want you to actually get excited about what God has in store for, for all of us who are his children. And I want to challenge you to live your life with eternity in mind. And then the third thing is I want you to leave here with a passion, a new passion for people who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their savior. Now, last Sunday, Paul Richardson did a phenomenal job talking about heaven and hell. And so with that um, series with, with, with that in mind and with this being the last message of the series, I want to take things a little bit further and I want to answer some questions that you might be having about heaven. And I, and I, and I want to talk about how it's all going to end. And I want to just uh, also recommend a great resource to you. When, I, when my dad died, somebody gave me a book by a guy named Randy Alcorn called Heaven. And it was such a great resource to me um, for really how heaven could potentially play out that in, in a much greater ways than we ever dreamed or imagined. And uh, it, very scriptural, and, and so if, if you want to grab that, that would be really good. But I want to give you a little overview of, of last uh, Sunday's time, or a couple weeks ago, I, I laid out a timeline for last days. And I want to give you this because I think it's important um, in light of everything I'm about to say that you catch this as well. Um, first of all is the first coming of Christ, and, and we know that that happened uh, about 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus Christ came to earth in the form of a baby. And, uh, and he lived here on this earth with us, with man, for 33 years or so. And um, then he left and obviously was crucified and left, ascended up into heaven. And in the book of Acts, we see that a church began. The, the church, we, we entered into the church age. And we talked a few weeks ago about how eventually one day, um, we're going to experience what the Bible calls a rapture. Christ is going to, the clouds are going to open, trumpets are going to sound, and those who, are, who know Christ as our Savior, we are going to be taken out of this earth, the dead first and then those who are alive. And then those who are still on this earth are going to go through what the Bible describes as a tribulation time, a seven-year tr- period of tribulation. The Antichrist will reveal himself. Um, people on this earth will go through a very, very difficult time. Um, while we're in heaven, I forgot to mention the Bema Seat Judgment. Um, now, some people, you know, say that as soon as you go to heaven, you go through this judgment. Others believe that it's going to happen during um, the tribulation period. I happen to believe that. Um, where we will actually not, we're not going to be judged for whether we said yes or no to, to Jesus Christ for salvation. We're going to be judged as believers. If you're in heaven, you're a believer. We're going to be judged for our works in, on this earth. What, what did you do for Jesus Christ? And it's either going to be accepted or it's going to be rejected. Then, um, after the seven-year tribulation period, the second coming of Christ, we talked about that, and uh, how we will come back with him, and this time we'll come back with him 
to fight a battle, the battle of Armageddon. And Satan and the armies of this earth will be defeated, and then we will enter into a thousand-year millennium period where we'll rule and reign with Christ. And when that's over, um, the great white throne judgment, and those who have never put their trust in Christ, have rejected Jesus, will be judged at this moment. Now, where will we be as believers? It's possible we could be watching this whole thing, but that's not our judgment. This is a judgment for unbelievers. And the question will be, did you say yes or no to Christ? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? And for those, who, for those unbelievers, along with Satan and his whole crew, that will be a moment of just, it'll be, it'll be a very tough moment because they will all be cast into hell. And at that moment, after that happens, the Bible says that we will experience a new heaven and a new earth. God will come back and create a new heaven and a new earth on this earth. Now, with all of that said, I want to answer a question that a lot of people have asked over the years. Does the Bible describe two heavens? Is there a heaven now and a heaven that we're going to experience later? And the answer is yes. I want to encourage you to take some notes as we're, as we're going because I'm about to give you a lot of information. The Bible talks about a place, as soon as we die here during this moment, the church age, if we die or, that, or whatever, that we're, we're going to experience, we're going to call it for the sake of this, this, this message, the here and now heaven. Okay? When, a Christian, when a Christian dies, the Bible teaches that we enter into a state of eternity that exists between our time here on earth and our future on what we're going to talk about in a few moments, which is called the new heaven and the new earth. Now, if, if you have a Catholic background, you might be thinking, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about, pur- you're talking about purgatory. That's not what I'm talking about at all. Okay? It's not purgatory like some of you may have been taught. Quite honestly, I don't believe that the Bible actually teaches that there's a place called purgatory. However, the Bible does talk about a very real place called heaven that exists in the here and now. And it's a, it's a temporary, it serves as a temp- temporary place where, where we'll be hanging out in Christ's presence, looking forward to our bodily resurrection and waiting to return with him during his second coming. This here and now heaven, okay, that's going on right now is, is not a temporary holding pattern where our final destination is determined, okay? The Bible teaches that once we die, our destination has already been determined, all right? You're either immediately in heaven or you're immediately in hell. Now, let me illustrate that this way. Let's say that here you are living in Atlanta, Atlanta area, and somebody has just offered you, they've given you the opportunity, okay, to have a brand new home in, let's say, Hawaii. Let's say Waimea Bay, if you've ever been there before. It's, I mean, just one of the most beautiful places of Hawaii. It's on the North Shore of Oahu. It's where all the big waves come in, where they do all the surfing in the wintertime. And I mean, you've just been given a home, an opportunity to have a home in paradise, and you're like, I will take that house. I'll take that destination. And when you get on your plane and you leave Atlanta, you have a layover in Dallas, Texas. Now, Dallas, Texas is not your destination, is it? What is it? It's Waimea Bay, Hawaii. That, that's where you're going. But you've got a little layover period in Dallas, Texas, which is fine. All right. But we're not talking and thinking about Dallas. We're waiting for that, that, that final destination. All right. That in some way illustrates a little bit of, how, of what heaven is like right now. For people who have died who are in heaven now, it's not, it's not their final place. It's not our final place. All right. It's a temporary place, and we're preparing, God's preparing not only for, for them, but for us, the new heaven and the new earth, all right? So when we die, okay, we're, there's a temporary place, all right? And 
It's not our final destination, what we're going to talk about in a moment, which is actually a new heaven. So when we talk about heaven, we don't always have to get into the technicalities and use terms here and now heaven, new earth, new heaven. We just need to understand that there's a difference. And that one day, the here and now heaven is going to become the ever after, the eternal heaven. But in the meantime, we do need to talk about what's happening right now. What, what does happen to us when we die? Well, Ecclesiastes twelve seven says, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. So it's real simple. When we die, the human spirit either goes immediately to heaven or immediately to hell. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1.23 that, that to die was to be present with Christ. He also says in 2 Corinthians 5.8 that he would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So according to the Bible, when we die, the physical part of our body actually sleeps. Our body is separated from our spirit, okay, until the resurrection. But at the same time, our spirit is very much alive and very conscious of where we are and what's going on after we die. So when we die, our spirits, again, they either go immediately to heaven or immediately to hell. Now, how is that determined? Well, it's determined by your faith, it has nothing to do with your works here on earth or your good deeds or, or what family you were born into or whether or not you went to church or whether or not you were baptized. When you die, your spirit, again, is in one of two places. And that is all determined on the answer to the question, where did you put your faith with your life? Did you put it in religion? Did you put it in man? Did you put it in your works? Did you put it in your good deeds? Or did you put it in Jesus Christ? According to the Bible, the answer to that question will determine what happens to you immediately after you die. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it this way, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We've been offered eternity in heaven. We've been offered forgiveness by, by God. We've been offered the opportunity to be made right in God's eyes by his grace. We receive that by our faith. So once we get to heaven, what, what do our bodies look like? Well, it's a tough question that I'm honestly not sure has a real clear answer. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul was not extremely sure about what our bodies would look like. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, 3, and I know this man. He's talking about a guy that died. He says he was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or not, or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. So Paul says, I really don't know the answer to that question. However, he says, he doesn't completely dismiss the fact that we might have some kind of physical form in the here and now state of heaven. If we have a body, it's going to be a temporary form because one day our current bodies, whether dead or alive, are, are going to be reunited with our spirit in the rapture of the church and they're going to be made perfect for all of eternity. Now some of you here today, you don't like the body that you have right now. Matter of fact, you may have spent a lot of money or are currently spending a lot of money or putting a lot of time and effort to change what you look like right now. But I want to tell you, okay, in heaven, you're going to love the upgrades. You're going to love what God's going to do, all right? I'm praying for a full head of hair and back to my original color. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. So, but we really don't know what it's all going to look like. But here's one thing that we do know, Okay. We know, because a lot of people ask me, am I, I going to be an angel when I go to heaven? No, 
You're not going to be an angel. 2 Corinthians 5.8 tells us that the same person that leaves the earth becomes present with the Lord in heaven. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3 tells us that in heaven humans will govern over angels. So some of you are thinking, oh, I really want to be an angel. Okay, well, you could be one, but the Bible says we're going to, I'm going to govern over you. Okay, so that's what this says. So even though we don't know exactly what we'll look like in heaven, we can say with confidence that at the moment that we die, that we die God's children will go immediately to a real, live, physical place called heaven that's full of real humans that have real thoughts and real emotions and real identities from their lives and relationships here on earth. Now, will we remember life in, on earth? Well, Revelations chapter 6, verse 9 and 11 describes what heaven will be like for those who are martyred during the tribulation period. And we see from this passage that, passage that these martyrs clearly remember what happened to them here on earth, including the fact that they endured great suffering. Now, one thing that I want to I, I point out because it's important, today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And one of the ministries that we support financially, Voice of the Martyrs, tells us that 150,000 people give their lives for the sake of Christ every year. That's 400 people a day. All right? And we need to be praying for those people, that God would, would give them boldness, would give them wisdom, that he, he would protect them. He would protect our brothers and sisters all over the world who, who are facing that kind of persecution. But we need to know that this passage tells us that God knows the name and story of each one of these people and that they actually play a huge role in God's plan to return to the earth during the tribulation period. So if, the, if these martyrs mentioned in Revelation, Revelation 6 actually remember life on earth, as the Bible describes, then it's quite possible we're going to remember our lives as well. Actually, in the story, uh, there's a story of the rich man and Lazarus. And Jesus talks about the fact that Lazarus was comforted in heaven from the bad things that happened to him while he was here on earth. The Bible tells us in Matthew 12, 36, that, that when we die, we'll give an account of, how our, uh, of, our, of our lives here on earth down to our, the very last words that we speak. So it's very obvious that we will remember our life here on earth, including the people that we spend our lives with. Matter of fact, I believe our minds are going to be so sharp in heaven that we're going to remember events on earth with great clarity. Another question, will we see, will we see what is happening on earth? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Love this verse. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, I believe this verse indicates that those who have gone on before us, that they see, they see what is going on in our lives right now. We don't know exactly how much they see, but Paul says this great cloud of witnesses that are in heaven are not only looking at us, but they're actually cheering us on to finish the race that we're running right now, the Christian life, all right? To finish it with perseverance and faithfulness. Now, I don't, I don't believe that that means that they're hanging out with us this morning, that they're, they're around us and we can't see them. But I think the Bible gives us an indication that they are witnessing the things that we do. Luke chapter 15, verse 7 says, In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Who's doing the rejoicing in this, in this verse? It appears the saints of heaven are the ones doing the rejoicing, which means that they are aware of things that are going on down here on earth. Another question. Will we be aware of the bad things that happen on earth? Now, 
There's a lot of people that, that look at, you know, just from things that we've been taught and just say there's just no way, no way that we could be aware of, our, of the actions of people on earth because those actions would make us sad, they'd make us unhappy. I mean, they, that's not the heaven that I've been taught. Well, here's where we get that belief. We get that belief from Revelations chapter 21, verse 4, where the Bible says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Now, what is the apostle John writing about here? Well, in Revelations 21, 22, he is talking about the new heaven and the new earth that is being created. Okay, he's not talking about the here and now heaven that we are talking about at this moment. And Christ promises in the new heaven, he says, There's, there is no going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more tears, no more sorrow. After the great white throne judgment where unbelievers are judged and Satan is thrown into hell forever, the Bible says the old things are passed away and there is no more suffering on earth. But that's at the end of the book. It's the end of the book. That's after Christ comes back and he reigns for a thousand years here on this earth. During the temporary here and now heaven, there's still the presence of sin in this world. During the eternal heaven, sin is destroyed and defeated forever. There will be no, there, there will be no, no need for tears or sorrow because in the new heaven, there's going to be no more sin. Satan is, and his whole crew will be banished to the lake of fire forever. Now, does that mean that people in heaven right now are suffering and they're in pain? No. But what it does mean is that there may be an awareness of the suffering and pain that's going on down here on earth. And, and there could even possibly be a, a degree of sorrow. I like what Randy Alcorn says about heaven in this context. He says, happiness in heaven is not based on ignorance, but based more on perspective. He says, those who live in the presence of Christ find joy in worshiping God and living as righteous beings in rich fellowship in a sinless environment. And because God is continuously at work on earth, the saints watching from heaven have a great deal to praise him for, including God's drawing people on earth to himself. But those in the present heaven are also looking to Christ's return. They're, they're looking to their bodily resurrection, the final judgment, and the fashioning of the new earth from the ruins of the old. Only then and there in our eternal home will evil and suffering and sorrow be washed away by the hand of God. Only then and there will we experience the fullness of joy intended by God and purchased for us by Christ at an unfathomable cost. So we need to know, okay, there is a, there's a heaven that we go to. It's a very real place filled with very real people with very real emotions and living very real lives in the presence of a very real Christ. But the Bible also talks about a new earth, the ever after. Revelations 21, let's look at it together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God." He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and they are true. So Revelation says that one day Jesus will come back. And after he will, after that, we'll rule and reign with him for a thousand years during the millennium period. 
And then God is going to introduce the world to a new heaven and a new earth where God is going to rule and reign for all eternity in a city called the New Jerusalem. In other words, God himself is going to come down from heaven to a new earth to live with us for all of eternity. Now, what's that whole event going to look like? Well, a lot of scholars believe that this New Jerusalem is going to be is going to descend down from heaven, but it's not going to make it all the way to the earth. It's going to kind of hover over the earth. Because why? Because the earth is corrupt. All right? The earth is still under sin's curse. And so because of that, a lot of people believe that heaven and earth could never be joined together. But I personally believe that heaven and earth are going to be joined as one when God comes because in Ephesians 1.10 it says that one day God is going to bring heaven and earth together under the authority of Jesus where he will, where he will reign for eternity. In other words, God is going to restore the earth back to its original sinless state. He's going to remove the curse of sin. Now, what will this new heaven and new earth look like? Now, when we think about heaven, this is the description that we think about all the time or that we've heard. Scripture defines heaven as both a country and a city, a new heaven and a literal city, which will, which will sit in the middle of that country called a new Jerusalem. And in the book of Revelations, chapter 21, heaven is described this way. As a great city whose walls stretch 1,400 miles on each side and are 216 feet high. The walls are made of jasper and are decorated with precious jewels of every kind. The great city has 12 gates, each made of a single pearl. The streets of the city are, are made of pure gold. The gates of the city will never have to be locked. They'll never have to be shut because no one's ever going to threaten them. The Bible tells us here that there's no sun and there's no moon because there's no need for either because God's glory lights the sky like a lamp. It says here that, the, that, that wild animals like lions will get along with men. Revelations 22, 1 and 2 describes a river that runs through the city. This river is called the river of the water of life and it's, it's clear as crystal. Now, I personally believe, I happen to believe that, that many of the wonderful things that we love about this earth that have not been corrupted by sin, we're going to experience some of those things in this new heaven. Now, what will life be like in new heaven? Well, this is where a lot more questions come in. Questions about marriage, questions about our pets, questions about relations with our friends and this and that. So will we be married in heaven? Well, Jesus says in Matthew twenty-two thirty that in heaven, people will neither marry or be married. Now, some of you just breathe this sigh of relief because for you, this life is just, is enough, is enough. I mean, you can't, to, to the thought of eternity with your, with your husband or wife, you, it's like, I can't do it. But hopefully for all of you, for most of you, like me, I cannot even imagine not being to Mary, to, to Amy throughout eternity. I mean, I, I, but I think because by, the Bible actually describes moments like in Matthew 8, 11 through 12, where it says that we come together from the east and west with the, 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 the prophets of old, with the apostles of old, to, to eat together, to have a banquet together. I believe we're going to know each other. Right? And, and I, I believe that I will know Amy in the sense that she was my wife here on this earth. And because of the nature of heaven, we're going to be closer than ever because of the, of the absence of sin, the absence of pain, the absence of, of suffering. I'll, I'll know my boys. I'll know that they were my sons. And some, some of the things that we love to do here on earth, I think we're going to do them together in heaven. I think we're going to grab a catch with my dad. I mean, Why not? I think we're going to, in some of the things that you love to do with your boys, whether you fish or whatever it may be, I mean, why not? 
Will my pets be there? Well, I know some of you are hoping so. I have a few pets that I hope don't get there. But you know what? The Bible talks about animals in heaven, so why not? There's just some things, honestly, that the Bible is not extremely clear about, and there's some things that it is very clear about. How old will we be? Well, I've, most of my life I've heard 33 years old because that's how old Jesus was when he died, and that the Bible, scholars have, have connected that to somehow to be the age of perfection. But yet the Bible talks about children in heaven. So we really don't know. And I know that we struggle sometimes with even imagining that heaven could be better than earth. But God has made something for us, honestly, that's so amazing that our minds can't even comprehend it. Imagine living in an eternity with no sin, no gossip, no judgment, no racism, no bigotry, no fear, no tears, no pain, no death, no sickness. I mean, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, with that said, why is this so important? Why is it so important that we have an understanding of heaven today? Well, I think, first of all, we need to understand heaven isn't the, be- isn't the end. It's actually just the beginning. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the things of this earth. But this is just a brief period of our lives in light of eternity. I, I know that we talk about heaven and we, we, we put it, you know, lumped in with, with end times teaching. But really, you know what? It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning of eternity. And we also need to realize that we were created for eternity. We were created for eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has actually set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has actually put eternity in our hearts. We actually long for something more than this life. And yet think of how much time we spend trying to find meaning and purpose in this life. Think of how much time we spend trapped in our current affairs and and just even in our own problems and, and our issues. Listen, God created us for so much more than what we're experiencing. God didn't create us originally with with this idea that we were going to live in this sinful, messed up world. When he created us, he actually put eternity in our hearts. He created us to be in fellowship with him and to enjoy his presence. We, and we actually long for that. We long for that day when it's going to happen again. We, we long for it even though we can't, people long for it. Everyone, even though they even, maybe they can't put their finger on it. For those of us that already are followers of Jesus, the Bible says that while we're here on this earth, it actually describes us as strangers, as aliens, as, as foreigners to this earth. In other words, this is not our home. We're created to be with God in heaven. And the Bible says that, 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 that even earth and all that's in earth actually waits for a new heaven, actually groans to get rid of all of this sinfulness. So what happened? Well, we know sin messed the whole thing up, but God in his grace has, has, made, has a plan in place, as the Bible describes, to make all things new again. So with that in mind, we need to be living in light of eternity. It's important that we know about heaven. It's important that we understand it. And we need to live, with that said, we need to live in light of eternity. Ephesians 5.16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The Bible encourages us not to get our minds focused too much on the things of this world, but to take every opportunity that we have and to make the most of every opportunity to live and to prepare ourselves with heaven in mind. In the light of, of opportunity, listen, we need to understand our life here on this earth is just a brief, mo- brief moment. It's, and it's, it starts at the moment that we are born and it ends at the moment that we die. 
It's just a brief moment connected to eternity. And yet think of how much we worry over this moment, how much we fret about this moment. Think of how consumed we become trying to build a life for ourselves or a name for ourselves in that moment. That, that, that little moment that God has given us is not about building a name for ourselves. It's not about storing up treasures for ourselves or trying to see how much we can accumulate. This little moment that God's given us here on this earth is to be lived with eternity in mind. It's to make Jesus famous. It's, it's, it's to invest in what he's given and invest what he's given uh, to us back into eternal things so that it has eternal value, that it will count in eternity. C.S. Lewis says this. He said, it is, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. He says, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. So we need to understand God's put eternity in our hearts and we are called to live with eternity in mind. But we need to realize as well that heaven's our hope. Heaven is our hope. One of the things that I value about what I do as a pastor is the opportunity to minister to people through funerals. I don't, I don't love funerals. I don't, I don't look forward to them. But I hurt with people that hurt. And I value the opportunity that God has given me to, to speak words over someone who has passed from this life to the, to the next. I value being able to, to minister to, to grieving families and to walk with them through some very tough moments. As you know, I've, I've grieved myself, and so I understand grief to some degree. But maybe more than anything, I value the opportunity that God's given me to talk about heaven during those tough moments. Because you realize that without that hope of knowing that we'll see our loved ones again, and without that hope that there's actually more to this life than this one and the hope that there is truly a rescuer named Jesus who is one day going to reach down and pull us out of this mess, you realize that without that, we have no hope. We don't have a hope. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, he says, we are, we are of all people most to be pitied. And so Jesus is our hope. He's our rescuer. He's done for us what we could never do on our own. And as a result of that, we look forward to seeing our loved ones again. And we realize this is, this is not it. This earth is not the end. Heaven's our hope. We have that hope that we'll see not only our loved ones again, but we have that hope that we'll be there with them physically in, our, in presence. So with heaven in mind, here's what we need to be doing. We need to be inviting as many people as possible to join us. We need to be thinking right now, who is it that needs to hear this? Who is it that I need to talk to because I don't want them to miss this? Who is that person that lives next door to me or that I'm related to or that, that God's put on my heart that needs this message? And then what about you? We need to be asking ourselves a question. Some of you, this is not a question. You nailed this down. But for some of you, it, there's a doubt. If, if you were to die right now, you're not quite sure whether you would immediately go to heaven or immediately go to hell? That's a question for you right now. And God doesn't want you to struggle with that question he's, because he's given Jesus to help you nail that down. We said this earlier. What, what determines whether I go to heaven or hell? It's your faith. Where have you placed your faith? If it's in religion, if it's in works, if it's in good deeds, if it's in what, you know, whatever family you came from or the fact that you were born in a certain part of the country, that's not it. Otherwise, God would have never had to have sent Jesus. 
the whole purpose for Jesus coming to this world was to provide forgiveness for you, to make things right between you and God, to give that opportunity for you to have a place in heaven one day, for things to be restored, for that opportunity to take place, for things to be restored back to the way that God created them originally.